Our focus text today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. I invite you to follow along with the words on the screen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Now this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, for all the non-church nerd people joining us, we are celebrating Pentecost. So I know what you're thinking. What's that, right? <laughs> to give you the formal explanation, Pentecost is a Christian holiday celebrated on the 50th day or the seventh Sunday after Easter Sunday and commemorates the coming of the Holy Spirit to the followers of Jesus while they were in Jerusalem as it was described in the reading that we heard from Acts today. To give you the non-formal explanation, Pentecost is a story about God's ongoing presence in this world. It's about the continuation and development of God's kingdom that was at the heart of Jesus' life and ministry that now lives on in the lives of his disciples. And Pentecost, is a fairly radical claim that God is active in the life of human beings. <laughs> Depending on the church and the tradition, 
Pentecost can be a fairly elaborate worship day because it's a celebration. And it should be celebrated because the story of God's Spirit coming to move people in the direction of Jesus' life and ministry is a big deal. But now more than ever, I also think we need to name what is supposed to be a day of celebration may not necessarily reflect our feelings or experienced reality. So if you've been around me a little while, you know that I talk about how this idea of God's active presence in the world is hard to believe and hold on to in a culture that does not ascribe to that way of thinking. We do not live in a supernatural world with daily experiences of supernatural phenomena. <laughs> we live instead in a natural world with natural explanations. That's why at certain times when you look up at the moon at night and it begins to disappear or take on a reddish tint, you don't scream and run around panicking, believing that what you are seeing is an omen that the world is ending or evil supernatural forces are at work. No, you don't do that. You simply say, wow. Lunar eclipses are cool. <laughs> you, you know what's going on. And astronomers can tell you exactly when the next one is going to happen. Last week, when Charles Miller was sharing his story of resonance, he talked to us about how his faith did not lead him to believe that God caused his wife's cancer, or that God only heals some people and not others. No, there are natural ways of thinking about sickness and disease. People who get sick are not being punished by God. And people who die of a disease are not abandoned by God. This week, the funerals began for some of the children killed while in school by a gunman who for some reason thought that he needed to take the lives of the most vulnerable and youngest among us. And then, a few weeks ago, a massive report was released by a third party conducting an investigation into abuse allegations and cover-ups by the Southern Baptist Church. It was a bombshell of a report that was reminiscent of so many other reports of its kind in other Christian denominations and religious organizations. And in this context, how do you even begin to speak of God's active presence in our world in a way that is believable, in a way that is transformational, in a way that is life-giving without taking lightly the suffering or cheapening the cost of these kinds of events? As people of faith, how do we talk about the activity of God and the story of our faith in a culture that no longer looks for supernatural explanations or activity? In a world where the mass killing of children and the abuse at the hands of trusted religious leaders is actually a thing. 
How do we talk about God in the midst of this, or the activity of God? One of my past mentors, Dan Wolpert, who is a Presbyterian pastor, a psychologist, and a spiritual director, he frames the issue that I am struggling with like this. And he writes this in his blog. The issue of God's action is of great importance because if something exists within what we call the universe, it also acts. Whether animate or inanimate, large or small, everything that we ascribe with existence has some kind or form of action. Thus, if God exists, God must act. And we attribute a wide variety of actions to God. The problem is that most of these descriptions come from a notion of God as a humanoid figure in the sky who has the ability to micromanage and intervene in any activity in a manner similar to a material person. The fact that we are still having conversations along the line of, why didn't God stop the shooter, shows how these teachings not only haven't changed, but they are still the bedrock model of God's action that is spoon-fed to each new generation of Sunday school children who are then growing up and leaving their churches in droves because these lessons are ridiculous. What I really want, what I really need to experience is an encounter with God that is not seemingly ridiculous or shallow. I need an encounter with God in the context of the natural world in a way that is life-giving and inspires hope in the face of suffering and pain. So looping back to the story of Pentecost and Acts, it is easy after hearing about how the apostles received the Spirit of God and began to be heard in various languages to fail to see that this story is less about the sudden acquisition of languages and more about the transformation of human beings into agents of God. In this story, people experience God through the voices of human beings led by the Spirit of God. At the core of the Pentecost story, is the idea that one of the most powerful mechanisms of God's action in the world is the transformation of humans led by the Spirit. Not transformation to live with certainty or perfect faith, but instead, as the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, the Spirit of God transforms life to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In Eugene Peterson's translation of Galatians into contemporary English, he says it this way, The Spirit of God brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a sense of conviction and a basic holiness that permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I like how he says that. And again, to quote Dan Wolpert, to take seriously our ability to manifest the work of the Spirit, 
would not only change the conversation about God's action, but it would also change the way that we view ourselves, the way that we do church, the way that we understand mission, and would energize with great urgency our work for justice and peace. So in light of all of this, on this day of Pentecost, may you be empowered and transformed by the Spirit of God to practice the kind of love that is patient, that is kind, that seeks understanding above all else. May you be empowered and transformed by the Spirit of God to live with joy, not happiness, but actually joy, an attitude that defies circumstance based on internal contentment from being deeply connected to God and others. May you be empowered and transformed by the Spirit of God to practice patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, and self-control, that you can be fully present to the suffering of the world, that you can work for justice, that you can receive hate and respond with compassion, that you can address issues of violence and abuse without losing faith without losing hope. This is the good news that we hear today. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.